0: we jump in this morning, Uh, just a couple things to see uh, just kind of the next uh, few months. Uh, If you have been following along in Matthew, uh, you will see that this is our last Sunday in the Gospel of Matthew. We are going to read the last few verses of Matthew's Gospel this morning. And so going from here, this is actually going to transition very well into we are going to go from the end of Matthew and then move into Uh, really the early church. We'll move into Acts and Romans between now and the end of May with Pentecost and be talking about, this morning as we talk about resurrection mission, but to talk about what does it mean to be sent out? What does it mean to go? What are we called out to do into our world? And using Acts and Romans uh, as we kind of work our way through that. Then after, uh, once summer hits, after Memorial Day, we're going to do a five-week series talking about truth, in the search of truth, Um, This is one of those that has been laid on my heart for a while of our world, that uh, truth really is a relative term, uh, that our world tells us there is no such thing as truth. And we as the people of God would say that is absolutely a lie, uh, that there is truth. But how do we as people of the truth proclaim that truth in a world that says there is no truth? I just said truth a whole lot. But uh, so I I wanna spend kind of five weeks to, to help us kind of build that foundation for us to understand Uh, what that means and to walk through that. Then after that, once we get into uh, a little bit more into the summer, I want to spend eight weeks on uh, kind of cultivating our faith. And uh, so I've been kind of working on this. And then when we get back to the fall, we'll be back into the Old Testament and then in Mark's gospel next year. So it kind of goes that way. One of my good friends who, this is his first time to preach through a gospel in this way. Uh, He did the same the same thing that we did, and he called me this week, and he said, like, I am mourning the loss of Matthew because I've enjoyed preaching it so much. And he's like, I'm a little nervous because Romans scares me. And, uh, but it's a great, uh, I hope you have enjoyed Matthew. And so I want to go through, and if you, if you have with you, or in your bulletin, there should have been a, a piece of, of paper like this. Uh, if you want to go ahead and, and get that out. So I was, I was thinking this week, I was given a task when I was in college, Uh, I took a class on missions, I think it was my sophomore year of college, and I took a class on, uh, on missions, and one of the assignments we had was to write a paper on a biblical defense for missions, assuming that Matthew ended in verse 15. So we're going to look here in just a moment at the Great Commission, and so what would it look like if there was no Great Commission? If Matthew had ended his gospel and those words of Jesus weren't recorded there, what would be a defense, a biblical defense for missions? Now, I don't, I don't have a clue. I passed the class. I have no idea what I wrote about, uh, and I've thought about that a lot this week of, of what that, how, uh, it's not sophomore year. The paper is probably terrible, but... Uh, one of the things that I keep thinking about is these passages. And these are passages that we have gone through go, going all the way back to last September. And as I kept reading over there this week, I wanted to be able to give it to you where you could see it all on, on kind of one page, one piece of paper where you could see these passages. So they're printed off on this piece of paper. I want to go through. They'll be on the screens as well. But I want to read them because I want you to hear them as we as we move into... Uh, into this passage. So back on, I wrote down my dates. Back on September the 18th, I preached from Genesis chapter 12, and we read these words The Lord said to Abram, Go from your land, your relatives, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse anyone who treats you with contempt. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Then October the 9th, uh, Pastor James preached on the Ten Commandments. uh, But as a part of that passage, we looked at chapter 19, verses 5 and 6. Now, if you will carefully listen to me and keep my covenant, you will be my own possession cut out of all the people's. Although the whole earth is mine, and you will be my kingdom of priests and my holy nation, these are the words that you are to say to the Israelites. Then we'll jump forward to December, December 11th. I'm sure all of you have all these dates recorded and you think about them often. December the 11th, we got into Isaiah. And Isaiah chapter 42 says, this is what God the Lord says, who created the heavens and stretched out who spread the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. Verse six, I am the Lord. I have called you a righteous for a righteous purpose and I will hold you by your hand and I will watch over you and I will appoint you to be a covenant for the people A light to the nations in order to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon and those sitting in darkness from the prison house. I am the Lord. That is my name. And I will not give my glory to another or praise to idols. In the past, sorry, the past events have indeed happened. Now I declare new events. I announce them to you before they occur. Now, if you go kind of through through this, we we then jumped into Matthew halfway through December or towards the end of December. We jumped into Matthew, and if you remember, the beginning of Matthew, we looked at Matthew's genealogy, and Matthew goes through this genealogy, and you read this genealogy, and it is a very Jewish genealogy. This is written to a people. The gospel of Matthew is written to Jewish people, and it is a very, very Jewish genealogy. But then we get to chapter 2. And when we get to chapter 2, we read these verses as a part of the Christmas story. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, and in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star and its rising, and have come to worship him. Then King Herod heard this. He was deeply disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. Now, why, why do I put that verse with the rest of these verses? Because Matthew's gospel starts off in this very, very Jewish way. Here's this genealogy, and we walk through it, but then we get to the second chapter, and what happens in the second chapter? The wise men. And where do the wise men come from? The east. Well, if you flip your Bibles back to those maps and you go to Jerusalem and you start to go east, just south, kind of the people they considered the the eastern people actually is kind of more southeast, but we can go down and we can go to Arabia, you can go to Egypt and you can go to Alexandria. These are not Jewish parts of the world. But these men saw a star and said, we're going to follow this star. We're going to come. Who was born king of the Jews? And they come to worship the king of the Jews. And all of this begins to kind of take place. And all of this is happening in our Bibles. And what we see is that in Scripture, there is a deep, deep calling There's a deep calling, and it's God's calling and blessing are to flow out of his people into all the peoples of the earth. We could go through it. If you had a highlighter this morning, because I'm sure you all travel with a highlighter. I do, but I left it in my bag. But if you were to go through, you could go through these verses. And why I wanted them on one page is because I want you to see a message that is being said. That all of these verses, we can go from Genesis and we see, your name will be great, you'll be a blessing But verse 3 says, in all the peoples of the earth. Who is that? Everybody. Exodus. He's created a people. God has created a people. Why has he created a people? Because you will be my possession out of all the peoples. Although, guess what? The whole earth is mine. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. And then Isaiah, we could go through and we could highlight Gives breath to the people and the spirit who walk in it. I am the Lord who have called you for a righteous purpose. But we skip down. You are to a righteous purpose to be a covenant to who? To all people and a light to who? All nations. And then we get to Matthew and Matthew says, we're going to start this off and we're going to be really, really Jewish. We're going to focus this on one group and it doesn't take very long before God says, no, 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 no. We're going to call other people to be a part of what I'm doing. Do you see it? And we are called to be peoples of God because this blessing and this calling that we have is something that is to flow out of us into other people. And thanks be to God, because guess what? I, I don't know all of your heritage, but probably most of us in this room weren't born into Jewish families. And because of this, we are a part of God's family. We were those other nations. We were those other people. But now that we have been brought into God's family, we have a job. And what is that job? To assume the role of what God's people do in the world, that we are to be living this out into our world. So think through how the the gospel of Matthew goes. So it doesn't take long. January 15th, we talked about the temptation of Christ into chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 4, let me get there real quick. Matthew chapter 4, we have the temptations. And remember, what was the last temptation? It says, again, the devil took him, who was him, Jesus, to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their splendor. And the devil says to him, "If, if I will give you all of these things, if you do something, if you fall down and worship me. And Jesus says, or Jesus told him, go away, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Now, this is the part when you preach this, what I would normally say is, or what most preachers would normally say is, isn't it interesting that the devil has all of these kingdoms and thinks that he can give them away? Now, there's some truth to that. But the other thing that you can't miss in this passage, when we look at all of these pieces together, is the devil thinks he can give something away. If you bow down and worship me, you can have all of this. And we're gonna read here in just a few moments that Jesus is gonna say to his disciples, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to who? To me, to Jesus to go, to go and make disciples, to baptize. The authority that Jesus was given was way greater than the authority the devil thought he could give Jesus at that temptation. But Jesus knew that that authority did not come through bowing to the devil. That authority came through living, dying, and resurrection. That's where that authority comes from, through obedience for what God had called him to do. And so all of these passages are reminding us of what is going on. And and as we read these passages, I want you to be thinking about that as we come into the end of the Gospel of Matthew. Verse 16 says, the 11 disciples travel to Galilee, to the mountain. Remember, if we're in Matthew, one of the things, and I think I've probably probably told you all this more than I want to admit. If you're in Matthew and you go up a mountain, something's going to happen. Something important happens. If Matthew goes up a mountain, pay attention. We go up a mountain, chapter 5, what happens? Sermon on the Mount. We go up a mountain, chapter 17, 19, somewhere in there. What happens? Transfiguration, right? We go up a mountain. Eleven disciples travel to Galilee, go to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. They saw him. They worshiped. But some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. This is what I want you to do, because I have all authority. Go. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you and remember And remember, I am with you always. In those moments that you don't think I am, I am with you always. Today, tomorrow, and for all eternity. To the end of the age. So I think probably most of us know that we refer to this in the church as the Great Commission. And I want you to process these words in light of the passages, in the light of where we have been since September. That this isn't just a new concept. This isn't something that Jesus kind of springs on the disciples. This is something that God has been building up for hundreds of years. That God's people have been given a mission, that God's people are told to do something. The passage that Barry read for us this morning from 2 Corinthians is one of my favorite passages. A passage that says, I have made you clean. You are a new creation. And guess what I want you to do with that? I want you to go. Because God has given you a ministry. What is that ministry? That ministry is a ministry of reconciliation. And I know I've told you all this before, but I don't want you to miss it. When we have a broken relationship with someone, so if person A is right here and I don't like person A, that in order for me to restore that relationship, I have to go and reconcile. Okay? I hear the language. What does reconcile mean? That relationship has to be restored. So Paul tells us, Do you want to know what your job is? Is that the world, the person the world is apart from, the person the world is away from, is the creator of the universe. And what did Jesus come to do? Jesus came to have this conversation and to make it possible for us to have a relationship. And what did Christ do? What did we celebrate last week? We celebrated that that relationship now can be restored because of an empty tomb, because of a cross. And Paul says to us, Christ did that. And because Christ did that, you get to do that. That's what it means to bless the nations. That's what it means to go out, to help bring people back to God. That's what we're called to do. We're called to live that life out. So my question this morning, my question is, is why, why is this hard for us to do? Why, Why is it hard for us to live out the Great Commission, to go To make disciples, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why is that difficult for us? Now, if you think back about this page, all right? If you don't know, this is is my illustration for the whole sermon. So if you haven't caught on to that, let's think about this page. What's going on here? So God creates the world. And God creates us, God creates humanity to have a relationship with him. That relationship has been severed, why? Because of the fall in the garden. So God thinks I've got to find a way to build back this relationship. And so God sets aside a man named Abram and says, I'm going to make a covenant with you. Now, I know, I just skipped a whole lot of history, but I'm working on this sheet, all right? I skipped a whole lot, but God appoints Abram. And says, through you, I'm going to make a new people. And these people aren't supposed to just keep what I'm doing to themselves. They are to be a blessing to the nations. They are to go. Because I've created people for relationship with me. And that relationship has been broken. But you are the one that are going to head this up for me. There's a problem. What's the problem? Sin. And we go to the very next story in the Exodus. What happens in the Exodus? The people, Abraham's people have been stuck in Egypt. Again, skipping a whole lot of history. They're in Egypt. They cry out to God. God, hear our cry. God hears their cry, appoints Moses and says, Moses, I'm going to make a covenant with you. I'm going to lead the people out of Egypt. We're going to come out of Egypt and I'm going to set up a new people. They come out of Egypt, y'all know the stories, Red Sea, Mount Sinai, Ten Commandments, all of this transpires, y'all remember those stories? He is setting up a new people, why? For you to be a blessing to the nations. Eventually, skipping a whole lot of history, the people make it to the promised land, they have a problem. You know what the problem is? Sin. They have a problem. That problem leads them into exile. Now they're in exile. What happens? Isaiah, you are the person I want you to speak to the people. And there's a whole bunch of prophets, but Isaiah is the one we're going to focus on. Don't forget what I'm doing. You are my people. I'm calling you. But in all of these stories, what is the big problem? Sin. Sin is the problem that we have to deal with or that God had to deal with. And so we move into Matthew and what happens in Matthew? God says, again, I feel weird because I'm skipping a whole lot of history, but God says, I had Abraham, Moses, the prophets, including Isaiah. But now I'm sending my son to once and for all to deal with this problem, to restore this relationship. And I think one of the things we have to remember that we cannot forget is that sin is a real problem. It is an actual problem. It is not something that we just made up. It's not something that just Western culture deals with. It is something that is real. It separates people from what God called them to be, and it separates them from the creator himself. But that sin has been dealt with on the cross. And we as the people of God get the opportunity to remind people that the slavery that the Egyptians dealt with in Egypt is the same slavery that binds them in sin. And we tell the story of hope. A story of life. A story where we're not bound to that sin, that we're not bound to those things that hold us down, but we have a new life. And all of this story is God saying, I want you to understand that life. I want you to see what I am doing for you. We get to Galatians, and I could go on a long time about Galatians, but what does Paul tell us in Galatians? It's for freedom that you've been set free. Set free from what? Sin. Okay. That's the answer. Sin. We have been set free from sin so that we could live a life with our creator, with our God. That is what we are called to do. Sin is an actual problem and it is a real problem that required the incarnation, death, and resurrection of the Son of God. Think about it. And we as the people of God, we get to the end in the Sunday after Easter and Jesus reminds us, hey guys, I've got something I need you to do. I need you to go. I need you to go tell people about what I've done. Tell people that I want to set them free. Tell people that there is a bigger life than the sin that is dragging their lives down. That there is actually freedom. That there is actually a God who cares and loves them. Go, make disciples. Go into all the nations and tell the story of who God is. Tell the story of what God has done for you. Because there is a world out there that desperately wants to hear the story but we have to learn to tell the story right. Because our story is the story of power, the story of truth, the story of a God who says, go. And so we as the people or God are called to go. We are called to go out into the world. And what do we call this? We call it the gospel, the good news. The story of the incarnation, the death, and the resurrection of the Son of God, it's it's, it's called the gospel. It's the story that we are called to share. It's the story that we are called to tell. It is the story that we are called to order our lives around. Why do we go through this process every single year? Wednesday, or Monday night at board meeting, I handed the board... One of those things, whenever I do this, I tell them the same thing every time, which is one of my favorite quotes, man plans and God laughs. That's one of my favorite quotes. But i I handed them, this is pretty much what I'm preaching on till Pentecost 2024. Okay, that's, that's over a year. And if you look through it, do you know what's gonna happen? Next, after, uh, come Advent, we're gonna talk about Jesus being born. And then we're going to move into the life of Jesus and we're going to talk about the incarnation. And then when we get into Lent, we're going to talk about the death of Christ. And then when we get to Easter, do you know what I'm preaching on next year? The resurrection. Thank you. Why, Why do we do this every year? Because this is the story that changes the world. This is the story that we order our lives by. This is the story that we have been given to tell. The gospel, the good news, and the good news is is that the gospel doesn't end at the tomb. That the Great Commission reminds us that the presence of God, the presence of the risen Christ is alive and active in our world today. Y'all need to hear it again. The Great Commission reminds us that the presence of the risen Christ is active in the world today. And that we have a story to tell and it is a story that is good news because we have been brought down by sin. And we have a story to tell. And we are reminded that this is a story that we get to tell. It's a privilege to tell. Let me say kind of two things to wrap it up. One is that I was kind of taken a little bit by something that happened yesterday at TNT. And it was just one of those cool things that happens. But Jackson McCorder brought two friends with him from school. These boys are both unchurched. I'd never met them. I was, I'll be honest, I was a little nervous. I trust Jackson, but I was a little nervous because it's Jackson these two boys and Jake in a room. And I'm like, I have no idea who these kids are. Are they going to be good kids? I have no idea. But I trust Jake. But, and everything was fine. But yesterday, Jackson was um, helping lead worship at his church this morning. So Zach came up to get Jackson and then was going to take these two boys home. But something happened. Of the two boys that Jackson brought from school, guess how many went home with Zach yesterday? One. One boy said, can I work it out for my parents to come to the interstate and pick me up tomorrow when y'all go by Huntsville so that I can stay here? Because he found a place that he felt welcome that he found a place of other boys that probably didn't act like the kids he hangs around at school. But he found somewhere where he was comfortable. And I don't know his whole story. All Zach just said, both these boys are unchurched. That's all I know. But there's a world that wants to find a place, a place to belong, a place to hear the story of God a place to know that there's more to life than just what we see. And we as a people get the opportunity to tell that story. The last thing I want to say is, and I've been debating all morning whether or not to say this because as I've been working on this summer and what I'm going to preach on, uh, there's, there's one statement that I want to make later on in the summer and there's a statement I want to make early on in the summer and I'm going to kind of make it tonight so or today. So you're going to kind of hear it probably three times before the summer's over. All right? because I think it's really important. This is the statement. When, When we walk through the story of Christ in the New Testament, this year we went through Matthew. One of the things we see is that Christ tells us, and he does it in John's gospel multiple times. This isn't new to most of you. One of the things Jesus says regularly is, if you want to know who my father is, look at me. And Jesus is the perfect representative, the, not just representative, but the perfect revelation of who God is. If you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. Now, there's a lot there because we learned some things about our God. One, that our God would send his son to come here, that our God would suffer for us, that our God loves us enough to die for us, that our God loves us enough not just to die for us, but to make a way for us to have a relationship with him, which is what we've started this whole sermon about. This is what I want you to hear. Most of us, we're comfortable with what I just said. I don't think anybody's going to be like, Pastor, I disagree with that. I think we're all comfortable with it. If you disagree with it, you're wrong. It's the truth. It's the Bible. So this is, you might disagree with this though. Here's, here's the hard part. If, and I, I don't want to use myself as an example, so I'm trying to figure out how to do this. So here's the hard part. If, if this is God, and Jesus is the perfect representation of God, and Jesus says to us, if you want to know who God is, look at me. Here's where we get uncomfortable. The world says, I want to know who God is. Here's the problem. If the world wants to know who God is, they need to look at Jesus, right? They need to know who Jesus is. Who are they looking at? Us. They're they're looking at us. Jesus says, go and make disciples disciples. But if we are as a people aren't reflecting who Christ is, people can't see who God is. You see it? If we aren't reflecting who God is, people can't see Christ. They can't see God. That we as the people of God are called to go, to make disciples. How do we make disciples? Well, it starts by us living a life that God has called us to live so that we can reflect to the world, this is who God is. It's so easy in the church to say, oh, the world, going to hell in a handbasket. I don't think that, does anybody say that anymore? But we, y'all know the phrase, look at the world, look how terrible they are. And the problem is, is the world needs to look at a people that say, this is who God is. And we are faithfully going to live that out. Men, Dwight can come up here and I can use Dwight as an example because Dwight has, I've seen Dwight live out Christ. But Dwight can come up here and say, y'all need to be a part of a Bible study. But Dwight can't point Nolan, Orion, Tyler, Stephen, Dwight can't point them to Jesus if he's not living it. Do you hear me? And Orion? Tyler, you don't have any kids yet. But, uh, so who? Do I? I'll just use Orion. No. Philip? All, all of us that are dads? Stephen? Charlie? We, we can't point our kids to Jesus if we aren't living it out in our homes now, does that mean that if—this is where it gets really uncomfortable. So if my kid is struggling with their faith, that means that I've done something wrong. The, the devil can tempt children even if we live perfectly. But we're not going to live perfectly. But we do need to live honestly. And to be able to say to a world, "You, I want to point you to Jesus, it starts with us living this. It starts with us living this out to be able to make disciples. Why do we struggle with the Great Commission? It's because we have to live it out too. If I want the world, if I want my family, if I want people at my job, if I, if I want people to see who Christ is, I have to live out Christ. And it comes back to us. If I want those teens at TNT to live out Christ, I have to live out Christ. If if I want people to see who God is, I have to live it out. That doesn't mean I'm perfect. It doesn't mean I don't make mistakes. It doesn't mean I don't lose my temper, but I have to be honest about it. I'll tell you all this one last story. I wasn't planning on going here, but I'll go here just real quick. One one of my, I don't think I've ever told you all this story because it's a little too personal. But my dad had a really bad temper. Ever told you all this story about Kmart? You may remember? If I told you, you don't remember anyway. So here he goes. My dad, we, was the, thanks, so my dad died in December. So this was the Thanksgiving before he passed away. So Thanksgiving of 1989. We went to Cincinnati where my dad's brother lived. And we had Thanksgiving there as a family and all kinds of crazy stuff happened, which there's a lot of funny stories, but this isn't a funny story. We get back and my dad did what some of y'all don't even know that you had to do this, but some of you will remember. We get back from the trip and my dad takes the film to Kmart to get developed. Y'all remember back when we had to do that? Yeah. So he goes to Kmart gets the film developed. And so I go with him one night to pick it up. And my dad goes to pay for it, but he opens up the, that envelope and he starts flipping through the picture. And some of the pictures had these white spots on them, round white spots. Like, over people's faces. And so my dad was like, what? Asked the guy, like, what's this about? And the guy's like, I don't know. So he opens up the film. And the film, it looks like somebody had taken a hole punch and punched, hole punched over people's faces. And so my dad was livid. And he told them, I'm not paying for these. And the guy's like, you know, well, then I gonna throw them away you don't get to keep them and my dad's like no I'm not paying for them and I'm taking them and it got ugly I don't remember but I, what I this is what I remember I left <laughs> I did the smart thing I left I was 13 years old I go out we had this big van and so I go out and I sit in the van okay my, my dad wasn't perfect my dad said some things that night he shouldn't have said But my dad got in the van. He never looked at me. He just sat in the parking lot. Looked straight ahead. And I remember it like it was yesterday. He said, John, I've got a really bad temper. And I pray every day that you don't get it. He wasn't perfect. But he was honest enough to be honest with me. He was honest enough to tell his story to me. Now, when he said, I have a bad temper, that wasn't a news story to me. It wasn't like, oh, I'm 13 years old, never noticed. That that wasn't new stuff to me. And guys, your kids, your faults, it's not a news story. It's not new information. But to take something in his life that he struggled with, And to use it as an opportunity to point me to God. To say this is something I've given over to God. It's something that that lives in my heart that I will always remember. That's changed the way that I parent. But it doesn't just change the way I parent, it changes the way we live. It's hard for us to live out the Great Commission because we have to actually live it out. It's hard for us to make disciples because we have to be a disciple. But what the world needs more than anything else is people who say, this is what matters to be disciples. We're not perfect, we're disciples. One of the things that struck me this week about this passage that is one of those little details we skim over is if you go back and read it, notice there's, there's a number in here. Jesus and his what? Eleven disciples. How many disciples were there? Twelve. Why are there only eleven? Well, we, we know the story. Because Judas wasn't with them. We we know that there are people that are going to watch Christ walk the whole time to continually point them to God and still not see it. But it didn't change the way Christ loved Judas. It didn't change the way Christ pointed him to Judas or pointed Judas to, to God. We continually live it out. This morning as we close, my hope and my prayer is that this mission becomes something for us. and We're going to spend the next few weeks talking about it as we look at Acts, talking about it as we look at Romans. But we start looking at ourselves to realize, I need to be a disciple, to show the world what it means to be a disciple. And I want to live that out in my world. This morning as we sing, we're going to close as we've been closing. Pastor James is uh, still in Nashville, and so I'm going to ask Randy if he would come down. And if anybody needs to to pray with somebody, uh, Randy will be down there to pray with you. If you need to be anointed for healing, spiritual, emotional, physical, whatever that might be, I would love to be able to pray with you at this altar. But these other two altars, as you all know, sometimes we might just need a place to, to quiet ourselves, a place... To be with God and to just say, I've, I've struggled. I, I struggle with this job that I've been given as a disciple. To point people to you. It's hard for me. Sometimes we just need to be honest and to say, Lord, I need you to help me. Because there is a world around you every day that needs you to be a disciple so that they can be a disciple. Let us stand as we sing.